Welcome to Getting Unstuck. My hope is this podcast helps you get unstuck so you can begin living the life you've always dreamed of. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Getting Unstuck. I'm happy to be talking with a dear friend, Karen O'Grady from Toronto, which I love because we have that little Bruins Maple Leafs uh, rivalry (laughs) that goes on every once in a while. But um, I just want to tell the people who are listening a little bit about you, Karen. So Karen is a tarot reader, light worker, and intuitive, specializing in insightful, inspiring readings. She believes that the future is up to the action steps we take or don't take, and her readings aim to explore all angles of your question, leaving you with a sense of understanding and empowered clarity, ready to make bold, confident decisions towards the future you wish to manifest. I love that part about empowered clarity, because I think that's what a tarot reading does for people. Like you and I, I think are on the same wave where don't depend on me, like start using your own guidance and tarot can empower you to do that. So I just love that. So a little um, additional information about you. You are the owner of Little Orchid Tarot. And if you Google that, you your website will pop up. And also you do work on Fiverr as well. And you have a spectacular, Karen, I really, uh, you have the most amazing podcast called Real World Tarot. And what I love about that, and you even say it in the, the beginning where it aims to remove the smoke and mirrors and bring tarot into your life. And I love that line because I feel like there's still like a lot of mystique around tarot or only only a few of us can read it or whatever the stories people made up. So I think your podcast and the name of the podcast reflects exactly what you're teaching us through your podcast. So I can't say enough good things about it. And I wish, and I, I hope everyone who's listening here will tune into real world tarot because you do an amazing job of explaining cards, but literally you, you know, even when you talk about pop culture with the card, like you really do bring it into an earthy level. So Thank I love you. That. Well, listen, I have to say that that's a huge honor. First of all, a huge honor to be here. Um, the first time I discovered your podcast, I was like, oh my goodness, she's got a podcast. That is so cool. And I was so excited to listen to it. And you were the reason, part of the reason that I thought, well, maybe I could do that. And and then I started thinking, you know, I want to create the podcast for the tarot world that I can't find. You know, I was looking for podcasts that brought tarot down to earth. And one of the things that I, you know, I'm a little bit salty. I'm a Taurus. I get a little bit salty um, about was that I couldn't find a practical approach to the tarot. A lot of very esoteric, high level conversations, spiritual woo woo, you know, the, 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 key, the gatekeeper and the key and all these really cool approaches. But I'm, I'm a practical person. I want things that are down to earth and tangible and real and accessible. And so when I do tarot readings, I want them to be applicable to people's real life so they can make real world tarot decisions. Should I go X or should I go Y? Should I try this or should I do that? What's best for my highest good? And I couldn't find that. So my hope with the with the, the podcast episodes, and they're all about 15 minutes, 15 to 20 minutes long, is that, you know, if you have a card that you're really stuck on or curious about, or it keeps coming up in your readings, maybe that episode can help you kind of figure out what it's trying to tell you or how it shows up for you or the person you're asking about or what have you. So I appreciate that because um, you were a really big uh, inspiration for me. So thank you. Oh, well, I'm thrilled to hear that, Karen. Thank you. And we do have, we are a little bit 
uh, further into this podcast, we are going to talk about one card that, oh, even as I've done tarot, as long as I have it, trips me up every time. And I'm sitting with a client, I flip that card over and I literally do like an internal eye roll. Like, oh, are you kidding me with this card? Like why? <laughs> yeah, why? So so tell me, what's your journey with tarot and how how old were you when you picked up your first deck? Yeah, I mean, I have been interested, a natural interest in, you know, what I call all things woo-woo and spiritual since I was a little kid. I have a really vivid memory of sitting with my mother. Um, she had this beautiful hard cover book it was like an encyclopedia so it was like and we didn't have the internet back then so it was wikipedia for for real it was in a book um and it was uh i, I wish i could find it now i keep meaning to google it but i remember you could look up all things and like an encyclopedia so it had aliens and spontaneous combustion and poltergeist and ouija boards and tarot cards and I would sit next to her and I can remember her like being on the computer or something and I would flip through and it was just like entering another world. And I was just like, whoa, this is so cool. And how can I do this? And can I access? And will I ever see this? And then as I grew older and I, I started to, you know, I had a very um, receptive mother. My mom uh, heard, saw, dreamt, very intuitive. And um, so when I wanted to start seeing readers, she was all into it. She said, let's go together. We'll go together. So, um, I, you know, I, I started seeing readers that used the cards and I thought they were so beautiful and I thought they were so interesting and I really wanted a deck. But, you know, I thought like a lot of people think that I had to be psychic or clairvoyant in order to use them. So I never pursued it. And then, you know, I think it was about early 2000s, um, I got a reading from a friend who was a peer, you know, at the time I was about 18. And uh, I thought, oh, if you can do it, maybe I can do it too. So, you know, at the time, we didn't have the new age sections we have today, you know, it was well over 20 years ago now. And um, I remember going in, in going to the local local bookstore and seeing a deck and it wasn't the Rider Waite Smith. It wasn't, it was just one of those little minis with a little white book. And I thought, okay, I can do this. And it just wasn't a very good deck. So I started to use the cards, but um, they didn't really light me up in the same way. And then um, cut to 2016. So a number of years later, I was at a women's networking group in Toronto, um, downtown. And I was sitting next to a lovely lady and I have a, a the three of swords tattooed on my foot. So it was summertime and she looked down on my foot. And she said, hey, that's the three of swords. And I went, wow, you know what that is? She goes, well, yeah, I'm a professional tarot reader. And we How became- fortuitous. Oh, right. And then we just became like buddies uh, within the women's networking group. And I went to her for a reading. And I said, wow, Lori, that was an amazing reader. By the way, I'll give her a little bit of a shout out. Her name is Lori Lytle from Inner Goddess Tarot. Um, still doing readings, still amazing. And um, she said, well, I'm doing a beginner's course starting next month. Do you want to join? And so that's where like it just took I was it was it was a universe because I just dove right into it, took the four week course, started taking her other courses, started like she has a, a literally monthly tarot circle. I started reading with other people and it just took off from there. And I never wanted to put the deck down. I've always wanted to, I get so excited to do readings for people. I travel with it and it just became something that was my happy thing. And I'm an introvert. So I'm someone that I find it a little bit sometimes difficult to connect with people. Uh, it gets me out of that shyness. It's a bit of an icebreaker. And then people really, and you know this, People open up to you when you have a tarot deck, like you can go to a party or you can go to, and all of a sudden people are just, their walls come down and it's a really good way to connect with people. So, so, and yeah, and then I just 
started developing my intuition and realizing that I didn't have to be, I'm going to use heavy air quotations, psychic in order to, to use those cards. And, and, um, that's something that I also want to help others learn with my readings as well. Right. Because that was actually one of my questions was, do you think people need to be intuitive to read tarot? Yeah. I mean, we're all intuitive, right? And um, I'm, so I'm a bit of a nerd and um, one of the, the, the people that I've, as I've studied tarot and I've studied the history and the background, I don't know if you're familiar with Carl Jung, mm -hmm. but Carl Jung is a Swiss psychologist that, uh, and psychiatrist who founded uh, analytic psychology and he used tarot cards with his clients. And there's a part of me that like kind of would like to think of myself as like the the reincarnation of Carl Jung because I'm such a nerd over him and I just think he's the most fantastic human. He's INFJ like me and he's like really into Myers-Briggs and introverts, extroverts and the tarot. And the way that he approached it was that tarot is just a set of signs and symbols that are a part of our human experience. If you're human and you're living and you're breathing, doesn't matter if you were uh, royal in the 1400s or you know you're you're working uh, down at the docks uh, in 2010. It, you you're human. You have the same experiences that are across humanity. And so, if you look at these signs and these symbols, you get a feeling of what they mean. They speak to you. They're they're about the human experience, whether you're, you know, male, female, elderly, young, whatever your sexual orientation is, whatever you, you, part of the collective unconscious, with, which is what Carl Jung spoke about, is that we all have the same experience and we can draw on that collective with those shared human experiences and those archetypes. So those archetypes and those symbols align with our innate humanity or that human condition that we can then, um, you know, tap into so so i feel like i can show anyone the symbol of the tower and no one is going to say well that's the happy ending card you know like you can look at it and people's gut intuition goes oh i don't know that kind of feels turbulent well well if you were to give you know the the card a keyword it might be something like turbulence or sorrow or some of the things that people come up with and i've, I've actually done that exercise with a number of groups of people who've never read tarot before and I'll put three cards in front of them and say, well, tell me a story. And they'll start to do that. They'll start to say, well, it looks like this happened to this person and that. And I said, great, you just read tarot. Right. And so like, you know, that's how you can kind of start to, to make others realize that we all share this common human condition, condition this, this collective unconscious that we can draw from. When you first started reading tarot, did you have any challenges? Um, I think the biggest thing for me, and I mean, let's be honest, I don't think this ever really leaves you, is what if I'm wrong? You know, what if I'm wrong? And what if uh, this person tells me I'm crazy? I don't know what I'm doing. Um, and, and I and I feel like as the more you practice, the more that that leaves you, but it never really leaves you. And so there's always that little voice in the back of your head that says, don't screw it up. You know, like, don't, what if... I get a sense that, for example, this person's love life is turbulent, but I don't know if they're single. I don't know if they're married. I don't know if I say, you know, well, it looks like you're going to be dating in the next six months. And they say, but I'm happily married. You know, there's also that sort of someone could maybe something could be going on in their marriage, but maybe they're not willing to tell you. So it's always this thing of I'm a, I'm a very conflict averse person and I don't want anyone to get upset or riled up. And so my challenge is that, and, and the way I've kind of combated it is um, I'm the messenger. 
right? So I ask my guides and my angels before I start, please show me something that is for this person's best and highest good. And then I step back and I look at the message and say, I'm going to say what I say. And it's up to the person to receive it. It's no longer my responsibility. So long as I am being gentle and I am acting from a, speaking from a place of integrity. And so if someone feels like something doesn't resonate, I will say, maybe put that on the back burner, come back to it in three months, see if there's something that's meant sort of for you now, but is, is coming up in the future um, and, and take it for what it is for you. If it really didn't resonate, feel free to leave it, leave it off put it away for a while. That's okay. But it's my job to be the messenger and, and I shouldn't be editing what spirit is showing me. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I don't, how long have you been professionally reading? Uh, three years this November. And then I've been reading for six years overall. Overall. Yes. Yeah. So that's, you've got some time invested in this. So, yeah. And I feel like when I've listened to your podcast and I've had tarot readings from you as well, it's like, I feel like you have developed a really comfortable relationship with your cards like I feel like there's like a sisterhood with you and your cards so my next question then is because you are so um, connected to your cards do you think that when you when people are learning tarot that they need to memorize each card or the key word of each card how do you teach people to read I do think that having the solid foundation of the education around the cards. Um, and if you're speaking about keywords or you're speaking about like, you know, general energies, um, tarot to me is a language. So like any language, if you were going to try and speak it with someone else, you'd want some foundational classes first. You got to start with the basics of grammar and spelling and diction in order to get to the point where you're fluid enough that you can start having conversations and start practicing. Um, I think the word memorize is what freaks people out. And um, that really does become a barrier because memorization is a chore, right? When we have to memorize something as speech for school or, you know, it's just like, oh, I do this. Um, but for me, it's understanding the keywords and the symbols enough so that when you get to that reading, you have that ability to really dig into, into your intuition and you're not fumbling around because your nerves, especially when you first start reading and you start, start, first start learning, it's like anything. You want to practice to the point where you can get past the nerve barrier and into the intuition and into the natural um, sort of flow of working with the cards. So for me, I think the, the very basic is understanding the energy of the suit. So, you know, are you working with earth? Are you working with water? Are you working with air um, or the major arcana? Um, look at the body language of the character. Do they look happy? Do they look sad? Do they look pensive? Do they look, you know, overwhelmed? Um, and then look at what they're doing in the card. Are they, are they looking at another card? Are they facing together? Are they looking apart? Um, and then colors are a big one for me too. So knowing the colors, red being about passion, yellow being about confidence. Do you see a storm, stormy sky? If you see a stormy sky or there's rain, well, that's telling you something, right? Is the sky bright blue behind the character? That's telling you something. So I think if you can get into those basics and get that down, you're ready to rock. You're ready to go. I would agree. So you mentioned the major arcana. So for those who don't know, there are 78 cards in the tarot deck. 22 are what we call the major arcana cards, or arcana, I guess. And the remainder are the uh, minor cards. Can you tell us the difference between the major cards and the minor cards? Yeah, I think everyone, I think everyone's, uh, every reader, I should say, um, has maybe a little bit of a different definition. The major arcana for me, and arcana means, uh, I believe, secrets, or it's like spiritual secrets. So major spiritual secrets are... Um, 
where I kind of get that definition from. And that to me is, is big soul growth or soul um, path energy, whereas the minor arcana are more day-to-day. So if I'm doing a reading and I see a lot of major arcana, to me, that person's going through a big shift in their development, shift in their path. And it could very well be things that almost feel outside of themselves, like not controllable. The death card, for example, for me, when it comes up, I love the death card. People get really freaked out. I love it because I'm like, something is going on outside of you to help you change something that you might be resistant in yourself. And that happened to me. Um, 2016 was my death year, if you're familiar with uh, year cards. And some of the things that that felt outside of me at the time set me up for some of the biggest moments of success and happiness I've had since then. So to me, it could be things that are going on outside of you that um, feel like they're happening to you, but are really happening for you and helping for your soul's growth and progression. The minor arcana is more like this too shall pass, maybe even tomorrow, you know, or the next day. They can be things that are easily, uh, maybe within your control to adjust or shift or change. But the minor arcana can be sort of those bigger foundational shifts in your life. My teach my tarot teacher once described the the minor minor cards to me. She said, "It's like you're at the mall and there's a map of the mall, and you're at Macy's, but you want to be at Cinnabon." And because she knew I love food, that was an analogy that I never <laughs> forgot. Like the, sure. the miners will they will be able to point you in the direction of where you want to go. They can give you the step by step, the day by day. So, and either way, side note, but I always think of that when people talk about the minor cards. Like I want to get to Cinnabon. Alrighty. Um, I want to talk about this card that I do that eye roll with. So the seven of swords. Now, traditionally, so on this card is a guy, he's carrying some swords. Behind him is like an army camp or a circus, depends on your perspective. And he's carrying the swords. It looks like he's tiptoeing away and looking over his shoulder, kind of like he got away with something. Now, the swords are the suit of air. So they're about our thoughts, our judgments, beliefs we hold. But the traditional meaning of that particular card is stealing, being a thief, like something. But I, in my head, I'm like, then why isn't this a pentacle where those are the earthly things? So what is your interpretation of Mm. the seven of swords? Because when I look at it, in a reading, and of course it does sometimes depend on what other cards are around it or the just the energy in general that I'm feeling. I will sometimes think like she's th- that the person could be so much in their head that they feel like they're getting away with something because they're not being honest with themselves. That's my take. Well, and I like, I, I've never thought about it that way. That's so interesting to think of. Yeah, if, if we're stealing something, um, why wouldn't it be a pentacle? But I find when it comes up, it's often people's ethics and their integrity. And I think that comes from the air, whereas it's not necessarily tangible, right? So if I am going behind someone's back and and, and saying I'm, I'm, you know, whether I'm cheating in a relationship or I am talking behind their back or gossiping, that's all air stuff, right? Because it's not tangible. It's not something I'm, I'm actively stealing that, like I'm taking a ring from someone's house. What I am stealing is their trust or what I am stealing is, um, you know, my own integrity. I'm, I'm, and those are things that are intangible. Um, but I actually, I do have a few interpretations of that card that have come up that for me have been more about um diplomacy and sometimes it's even been about like um feeling the outlier feeling the outcast 
So, so the two things that have come up for me that have sort of gone outside of that sort of, uh, what are they stealing? Um, I really think it's interesting that you've got that figure who's looking behind his shoulder and he's looking at that tent city. To me, um, communal living speaks of groups and it speaks of uh, group thinking, group mentality. Now I know the Hierophant's another one of your not favorite cards. Uh, so so to me, that's that group thing, that group mentality. And you've got that figure who's looking over his shoulders and he's walking away with all of his swords. And I always think, well, that there's the black sheep. There's the person that is forging their own path saying, mom, dad, uncles, aunts, uh, whoever, you know, you don't, you're living your one way, I'm going to go live mine. And and sometimes that can feel scary. It can feel like you are, you know, leaving the group, leaving the, the, the pod um, and going the lone wolf way. So it is my lone wolf card. Other times I've actually seen it come up as feeling like you need to walk on eggshells, especially oh, when it comes God. up with the knight of swords. Um, I, I, if I see the Knight of Swords, by the way, that is my least favorite card. I do not like him. Uh, he is, he's, ugh, he, ugh. Uh, <laughs> if I see someone with that and the Knight of uh, the Knight of Swords, I was, who are you walking on eggshells around? How, why do you feel you have to be so diplomatic about what you say and what you do? Because there's that feeling of with it looking over his shoulder, am I going to, am I going to tread on something that's going to put me in harm's way or trigger that person or make them, you know, make them go off? Right. So, so to me, they're always, it's always intangible things. It's always that, and it is, it's mental because it's that fear or anxiety or worry or stress. What are people going to think? How am I going to be perceived? Um, that's what that is about to me. Right. Uh, well, I'm really glad we had this conversation because that card, <laughs> every time I get it, like I said, I'm like, Oh, what? So for anyone who's interested in picking up a deck and learning tarot, but they don't feel intuitive. Do you feel you, as if your intuition expanded when you began reading tarot? Because personally, I didn't feel like I had an intuitive bone in my body. And tarot really made my um, intuition explode wide open. So I, for anybody wishing to increase their intuitive abilities, I'm always like, buy a tarot deck, learn how to read tarot. Mm -hmm. So what's your take on tarot and, and intuition? Yeah, I mean, I think that I don't do this enough and I will put my hand up and say, I do not create the space for it. But if you're looking to expand your intuition, a great practice is that daily card pull and just asking your guides to sit with you for five minutes in the morning and, and ask what, what is coming up in my day that I need to be aware of. Um, show me something that I should keep my eye out for an energy, an event, a situation, and then come back to it in the evening and maybe journal a few thoughts about what happened that could relate back to the scene that you see in the card. And to me, that really helps open you up to be more perceptive and mindful throughout your day. And it also shows up sometimes in ways that are so on the nose. And I and I, I gave an example in one of my first episodes of uh, getting the three of pentacles and seeing the scene of the carpenter um, showing the, the two acolytes, uh, his work and having that exact situation happen. Like if you took a picture it would have been my my home inspector with the fuse box shining the light and showing me and my friend, um, you know, looking up at him. And I and to me, it kind of gives you that whoa, like the universe is listening, and I'm connected to that piece of the universe if I ask for it, if I pay attention to it. And so I think that practice, I think if you were to do that, even you know, a couple of of days a week for a few weeks, you would really see how connected you are without yourself, without you even really noticing. And then that that sort of practical, and again, I'm all about the practical, that practical experience or habit helping you be more present, be more mindful, be more aware. 
Yeah, I was just going to say that because I teach, when I teach, I ask them to do the same thing, pull a card a day, and then at the end of the day, see how that card matches up with what the description is you have for it and how your day, because sometimes that card at the end of the day, be like, wow, this card was more about patience than it was about X, Y, and Z. And when I teach, I'll give them the, the like bullet points of what each card means, but I'll have them draw a line down the center of the paper and then have what, what is your first impression when you look at the card? Because you'll remember something by association more than memory. And so I encourage them the same way you do is to take a look at it, take a card in the morning, look at it, how's your day line up? So I love that you do that as well. Um, what was my next question? Oh, you were talking about, you know, pulling a card a day. So tell, can you tell us for those who don't know what a tarot spread is, what it is and why you would utilize it? Sure. Yeah. I feel like readers either love them or hate them. So you don't have to use a spread, but if you do, it's generally considered a map for your reading. So each position is pre-assigned to a meaning so that once the cards are laid down, that position for each card has a context. So for example, a context that you lay down might be past, present, future, or positive, negative outcome. So imagine that your spread is imbuing each card with that additional meaning or context based on where it appears in the reading. I can find that spreads are particularly useful when you have a question. So you, the person you're reading for yourself has a particular question, or you want to get that particular context. Um, I don't personally read reversals. I don't know if you do, um, but I find it. <laughs> no, I joke. Okay, well, there you go. Yeah, I, I always, I said to a client the other day, like, I'm just kind of a lazy tarot reader. Because when they do come out um, reversed or upside down, in case people don't know, um, I just kind of look at it like they've got a little bit more inner work to do. Sure. And I feel like there's so much in the cards when they speak to each other for me that I don't necessarily think that I need to have that sort of upside down sideways kind of action going on. But a spread can be very good if you don't read reversals because you can have sort of the negative or block position that when that card comes up, it doesn't have to be reversed. It's telling you that's the block. So, you know, again, I'm maybe I'm a little bit of a lazy tarot reader or more practical. Uh, so I like those spreads that say, this is the block. This is the thing that needs to be lesson yet to be learned. And this is where the path is taking you if you don't make these changes. So I, you know, a spread can be very, very useful for that. And they are 1 million and one forever and ever. Amen. A spreads that you can find online or in Pinterest. Books. So yeah, Pinterest is fantastic. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Generally when I do, when a client comes um, the first time is I'll ask Tarot to show me three cards that will show me a story of their life over the past year. And I love I, that. Yeah, I can get just a real vibe of like what their life has been, where their energies are. Um, and then I ask it like, what's their stress? What's the remainder of the year going to be like? A message from their guides and what's their block? Um, yeah, so I, I encourage people also to create their own spreads. But you're right. There's so many out there that as a beginner, you can utilize and just kind of build that muscle. Um, and do you use tarot every day? So I use tarot every day for clients. <laughs> I actually do read seven days a week. I typically do three to four readings a day for clients. So I like to, you know, usually start or end my day uh, sitting with the cards. I don't and haven't probably in at least six months pulled a card for myself. And, and I, you know, I don't get down or hard on myself. I've got lots of stuff going on in my life. Um, I exercise seven days a week. So that's my meditative practice. That's me connecting with my body and my mind. Um, but I do 
feel that I should be more in tune with myself and the cards. And I do, I bet my guides are saying, you need to have a better relationship with your own cards, you know? <laughs> um, but yes, I do read every day. And I do think that whether you're reading for clients yourself, or it's just that bit of a mindful practice, um, I do think that that time every day is so precious, uh, that intuitive time. And it's like a muscle. It's the same. You got to use it or lose it. Right. So that connectivity to the cards every day, it doesn't matter who it's for or what it's for, I think is really important. I agree. And I think going back to what you said earlier was important too, when you were talking about learning tarot and pulling a card a day, because we have a tendency to get in our car, drive to work and just be on autopilot. And you get to the office again, you're on autopilot. But when you're learning tarot and you're pulling a card a day, it really does force you to pay attention to the things you're saying and the thoughts you're thinking. So I, I love that. Do you have a favorite card? I know you said you had the three of swords tattooed on your foot. Yeah. Three of, three, favorite? three of swords is definitely my favorite minor arcana. And if you listen to my podcast, uh, I do have an episode where I go kind of in depth with that Can one. Can you but... describe, Karen, what that card looks like for someone who doesn't know? Because it's a <laughs> yes. powerful card. It's a powerful card. Um, so it's a heart with three swords pierced through it. Uh, and it's raining in the background. It seems to be hovering in the sky and it's raining. Um, so when people say, well, what does that mean? I'm like, well, it's not a good card. <laughs> it's not the best card. Um, but uh, to me, the the and the reason I have it um, tattooed is for, and maybe this is a, a little bit of a side kind of uh, interesting thing for, for, for new readers to, to consider is if you have a stalker card and a stalker card is the card that no matter who reads for you, whether it's yourself or someone else, this card always appears in your reading. And for me in my, in my youth, uh, my, my maybe late, late teens, early twenties, this was a stalker card for me. And um, I, I, just trying to figure out what does it mean? What does it mean? What does it mean? And for me, the meaning when it finally came to me was that I was putting a lot of um, faith in the other for my happiness, whether that was a parent or a boyfriend or a friend. And what I was expecting was the love that I put in would be the love that I got back. Mm -hmm. And we cannot do that. We it, it's setting ourselves up for failure. So I was consistently being heartbroken, heartbroken. And finally, you know, I kind of realized what that was trying to tell me. And what the tattoo on my foot reminds me that I can only put in what I'm willing to get back in return with nothing back in return. Yeah. So it's like, what investment are you willing to give without the expectation that a person's going to fulfill something in you? And um, yeah, I look at it every day and it's that sort of reminder of, you know, don't put yourself in a position where you're looking for someone else to fill your void, right? You've got to fill your own cup. And so that's really been that for me. Um, my favorite, my favorite major card is the Empress. Yes. I absolutely adore her. She is power. She is abundance. She is she treats herself well. She treats others well. She knows how to create a life that is hers. So she doesn't give a hoot what you think about her and how she lives her life and what she does, what makes her happy. She's also the queen of the domestic. I'm a very I'm a homebody. I love my little cozy space. I love my cats and my animals and my, you know, and um, and she just she makes it work and she she empowers others. And I really do hope that through the work that I do in my full time job and my part time job, my side business, um, that I can do that kind of work with others. So um, she's just amazing, you know, and it's funny because I, I don't have kids and, and people say, oh, well, is that because you want to get pregnant? I'm like, oh, she has so much more meaning than that. <laughs> <laughs> I understand, right? Yeah. So we're almost out of time, but I wanted to ask you one more question. So if someone who's listening today wanted to learn how to read tarot, 
do you have a course on your website or do you teach live one-on-one -on -one through or someone could do it through zoom with you as well I yeah yeah I do do readings yeah. through zoom but I, I provide readings only at this time um, a number of clients of mine have asked if I do uh, courses and so that's what I'm hoping my you know tar my tarot podcast can be so I do an exploration of each card and I'm working through that I'm working through the course of the 78 cards so that's available for free on Spotify Apple and Google podcasts um, but I would say if you're looking to do a course there's so many online I actually did one on udemy.com. I think it's U-D-E-M-Y.com. Very accessible, very cost uh, efficient. And um, there's a, there's probably a number now. I did this many, many years ago. What I loved about that is you do it on your own time. So you've got these pre-recorded classes that you can just do on your own time, pause, go back, access again, and it's lifetime access. Um, I would also say look to some local readers in your area if you want to do something in person. A lot of stuff has opened up again, a lot of spiritual um, uh, crystal shops and, and uh, have readers and courses that you can go to as well. But I have two favorite books I want to mention. Uh, the first is Holistic Tarot by Benabel Wen. Um, she is incredible. The history of tarot up to how to use spreads through explorations of her cards. She goes into the elements. She goes into like everything you could imagine. And then a really simple book to start with is The Tarot Bible by Sarah Bartlett. And that was actually my first tarot book that I ever got. And it has really, really good uh, explorations of the cards as well. Oh, so really, I think it's up to, you know, what works for you, a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B, and you'll be well on your way. Right. Perfect. Well, I want to thank you for sharing your wisdom today on, on the podcast and your, I know I read your bio at the beginning, but I want to add to it that you are definitely an earth angel and just an all around good egg and a really cool chick. So it's been really fun communicating with you over the last several days about Fiverr and about our podcast and connecting a little bit more in a more deeper way. And I, again, once again, appreciate you being here. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I was looking forward to this all week and uh, I really enjoyed myself here today. So thank you so much.